Good morning, City Church. And all our guests, so glad to have you here with us this morning. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. What a sweet time singing together, focusing in on our resurrected King who is alive. For those of you who are new here, I want to welcome you. So glad that you are here with us. We have been in a series in 1 Corinthians that we have called Church Health Matters. And instead of going over the chapter where we're at on church discipline, I thought we would focus on a more uplifting, positive note on the resurrection. So we're going to jump ahead to chapter 15 today for the sake of the occasion that we are celebrating because 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is all about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul gives us 58 verses that are loaded, packed with gospel truth. And as we've talked about in this series, we, we've looked at some areas of unhealth within this church that had some issues, just like we all do. If you got issues, raise your hand. If you don't raise your hand, maybe your spouse will raise their hand for you. We all have issues. We're, we're all in need of a Savior who can fix the brokenness in our lives that no other person can fix. And this church, the Corinthian church, had become Christians, okay? But just like all Christians, they continued to have some issues that they needed gospel grace, gospel power, and power of the Holy Spirit to change and transform and renew them and shape them into the people that God had redeemed them to be. And so today, I have titled this message, A Gospel Reminder. A Gospel Reminder. For most of you here today... What you're going to hear from 1 Corinthians 15 is simply a reminder. Now, there may be somebody here today who hears something new that you haven't heard heard from the Scripture before. But for me as a pastor, it is freeing. It is freeing to embrace the reality that much of my work as a preacher has to do with simply reminding the people of God of the story that has been told throughout centuries. The gospel story, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of great joy. The good news of the grace of God, the good news of our salvation, the gospel And so this morning, we are going to just have a simple gospel reminder from the Apostle Paul because healthy churches and healthy Christians, by the way, healthy healthy churches are made up of healthy Christians, and healthy Christians and healthy churches center on the gospel. They let that be the main thing. That was what Jesus preached. He preached the good news. That is what the apostle preached. He preached the gospel. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn here with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now we all have this tendency. Well, actually, before I'll go ahead and read before we go any further. Actually, let me pray. Father... As we look at these powerful words in scripture on this wonderful day, would you remind our hearts, 
remind us in our hearts and our minds of who you are and what you've done in sending your son Jesus into the world. And may we be impacted. May we be transformed. Would you turn our sorrow into joy because of the gospel reminder today? Would you turn our depression and despair into hope today? Would you turn our anxieties into peace and our fears? Would you transform that into confidence? Transform us into those who are filled with confidence and expectant hope because of the gospel reminder that we have that Christ is risen indeed. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 1. And now I, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the 12 and then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time most of whom are still alive though some have fallen asleep and then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles last of all as to one untimely born he appeared also to me for I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me, toward me, was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it is, it was I or they, so we preached. And so you believed. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So here's our big idea this morning from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The good news of Jesus Christ is central to the Christian faith. It's central to the Christian faith. And it must be received, believed, remembered, and held firmly. It's central to the Christian faith, and it must be received, believed, remembered, and held firmly. Now, first of all, let's look at verse 1, where the Apostle Paul says, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand. The Apostle Paul was simply giving the church that he led to Christ a simple gospel reminder because the Apostle Paul knew that we have a tendency as humans to have spiritual amnesia or gospel amnesia. We have a tendency to forget. Sometimes we forget really important dates. Any husbands ever done that or wives? Sometimes we forget some really important details that we should have remembered, all right? And God forbid that we should ever forget God 
and what he has done for us to bring rescue to our lives. You see, Jesus knew this tendency within humanity, and so he implemented the Lord's Supper before he died. And he took bread, and he said, this is my body broken for you. And he took wine, and he said, this is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. He said, do this in remembrance of me. Jesus knew that we all need gospel reminders. We need to consistently be reminded of who God is and what God has done on our behalf. And when we partake of communion, and we do that every week here, we slow down and we focus in on the life of Jesus and the basis of our relationship with him, the basis of all our sins being forgiven, the basis of us having eternal life, the basis of us be, being children of God, being saints, set apart, redeemed, and rescued because his body was broken for us. And his blood was shed for us. And so we need th these gospel reminders. Now, first of all, let me just give some definition to the gospel. Because I don't want to assume that everybody here knows what the gospel is. And it simply means good news. The Greek word eugelion is used 76 times in the New Testament. And it refers to glad tidings are good and joyful news. Tim Keller says that the gospel is not just the ABCs, but the A to Z of the Christian life. It is inaccurate to think that the gospel is what saves non-Christians and then Christians mature by, by trying hard to live according to biblical principles. It's more accurate to say that we are saved by believing the gospel and that we are transformed in every part of our minds and hearts and lives by believing the gospel more and more deeply as life goes on. So non-Christians need the gospel. They need to hear it. They need to receive it. And they need to believe it. But so do Christians. We need to saturate our souls and our lives in the good news of Jesus Christ. And remember it and hold firm to it. To the very end. Because this is what Christians do. The gospel is central for Christians. And as we've said about the Corinthian church, they had this tendency to major on the minors. They wanted to spend all their time on their electives and, and, and not enough time on the core curriculum, the core classes, and focus on those things that they liked most, like spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are important. But the gospel, Paul says, is of first importance. He said, for what I delivered to you as of first importance, I also received. You see, here at City Church, we recognize that. We recognize that for, for, for the Christians, the gospel is to be central in Jesus. The gospel is all about Jesus. It's Christological. It's about Him coming to living a life, taking on flesh and dying in our place for our sins. He was buried and He was raised from the dead. 
And so here at City Church, this is something we are going to major on. The gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news of Jesus Christ. Because it's dear to us. It's precious to us. If you were diagnosed with cancer and the doctors gave you just a couple of months to live. And all of a sudden you're hit with the reality of your mortality and that you're going to you're going to die. But then another doctor comes in with a cure with with something that can help you and bring rescue to you. How sweet and good would that news be to you? To hear that you can live if you receive this remedy, if you receive this medicine, if you receive this treatment. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is, is, is so much greater than just a cure to cancer. The gospel of Jesus Christ has an impact on our eternal well-being, our eternal joy, our joy in this life, but also our joy throughout all eternity. It's good news of great joy, and it is important. Imagine if those who are in war-torn Ukraine right now were to get some good news that the war is now over. There's peace. There's no more fighting. They can be at rest. Imagine how good that news would be to many Ukrainians right now. That they don't have to worry anymore about bombs and invasion. It's good news. Jesus has come and he has stepped into the war for you and I. And he battled on our behalf. He bore our sins. He went to the cross. He defeated sin and death and Satan and all his demons. And he conquered for us. And it's good news for us. It's important for us to hold fast to this reality. It's central to our lives. It's priority in our lives. And so let us soak our soul in the gospel. Now also let me highlight that the gospel is historical truth. It's not just some fairy tale or some made up fiction story that's very entertaining. Something just that we want to hear. The gospel is historical truth. There was a real man who lived in real time in history and space who had a body who felt pain who experienced rejection, who had an earthly mother, who had to go through puberty, who grew up and experienced life, okay, Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, and he really did die. And the Bible says in verse uh, 5 and 6 here, it says, And then he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, and then to the twelve, and then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of, most, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. People really saw the risen Christ after he was crucified. It was verified by Roman soldiers that he did really die after he, he went through the most terrible death, the most terrible suffering on our behalf. And he breathed his last breath. And he really did die. And he has changed history. Right? We got AD after death. We have this reminder on the calendar. BC before Christ. I'm sorry. Before Christ. We have this reminder on the, on the calendar 
of Christ coming into the world and he has impacted history. He's impacted education. He's impacted care for the poor. He's impacted care for the marginalized. He's impacted every sphere of influence and his followers continue to share the good news and show the implications of the good news by loving neighbors. So the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is historical truth. It doesn't start as once upon a time in a far, far, far away land. I don't know any scholar who would argue that there wasn't a man named Jesus who made a significant uh, impact in history. There was. And, and I don't know anybody who would be willing to die for somebody who was a lunatic who just made up a story. Who's willing to give up their, I don't know anybody who's willing to give up their home, give up their family, give up uh, um, everything they have for a lie. You see, the followers of Jesus who saw the resurrected Christ and those who believe the good news historically have, have, have fallen, has, have fallen, have followed him even to the point of death themselves. Many crucified themselves. This is historical truth. David Garland says that the gospel refers to the story about Jesus narrated in the text. It comp- comprises Jesus' words, deeds, death, and resurrection as God's direct intervention into history. It, challenge is, it challenges an imperial, imperial cult propaganda that promotes a message of good tidings and a new age of peace through Roman emperor. Jesus came as the conquering king who brought true peace, who made sinners right with God. The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is biblical truth. Paul says that, he says, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with with the scriptures. You see, the Old Testament pointed to a day when the Messiah would come, when, when, when one would come and bring rescue and bring redemption. Probably Isaiah 53 is one of those texts that the apostle had in mind that speaks about the suffering servant Jesus. Isaiah 53 says, Surely he bore our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray and we have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that was led to the slaughter, like a sheep that is brought before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Jesus suffered in our place, and the scriptures pointed to that sacrifice, the lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world. All of the Old Testament, um, the sacrificial system in the Old Testament all pointed to this ultimate sacrifice that would one day come when Jesus, the spotless Lamb of God, the one who never sinned, would be offered up as an atoning sacrifice for the sin of the world. 
Christ was raised from the dead according to the scriptures. Psalm 16, 10 and 11 says, For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life, and in your presence there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. This is David writing these things. But David died, and he was buried, and he saw corruption. So this obviously is speaking about another king who would come, the messianic king, King Jesus. And the apostles point to this as a scripture that highlights the resurrection of Christ. When Peter preached in the book of Acts, he, he referenced this, this particular text. They also reference Psalm 110. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. And so the scriptures testify and point to the person and the work of Jesus Christ. In John chapter 5, Jesus said that the scriptures testify of him. But there were religious people who wouldn't come to him. Though they claimed to be people of the book, though they claimed to love the scriptures and love the God of the Bible, Jesus said, but you won't come to me. You search the scriptures thinking that in them you have life, but you won't come to me that you may obtain it. The gospel is also theological truth. Christ died for our sins. He died for our sins. Now let me just say this. The good news doesn't make sense unless we understand the bad news first. You see, before a doctor is going to give a a remedy or some medicine or treatment, there first has to be a diagnosis that there's a problem. And the Bible has diagnosed us that all we like sheep have gone astray. That all of us have sinned and we've fallen short of the glory of God. We've rejected the creator in his ways and his plans for our lives. And we've failed to give him the glory that he's due. We failed to reflect the glory that he's created us to reflect. But Jesus came and he lived a perfect life. He did it right. He obeyed the Father all the way to the point of death and death on a cross for us. He went through testing and temptation and passed every test that the devil brought his way. Every, every, every time he was tempted, he passed the test that you and I have failed. He did what was right so that we can get his righteousness. So that we can be declared right in the sight of God. Jesus said that the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, even Jesus said this, that his life would be a ransom, a payment for many to rescue and redeem and deliver people from their sins. Matthew 1, 21, it says of Jesus that he will deliver his people from their sins. Even his name means the Lord saves. And that's what he came to do. He came to forgive. He came to save. He came to rescue. And to do so, he had to become killable. He had to take on flesh. And he had to die. And he had to rise again on the third day. The gospel assures us of forgiveness of sins. 
Christ died for our sins. Later on in chapter 15, the apostle Paul says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. You see, the penalty of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. And God being a holy and a just God must punish sin. Sin must be dealt with. He doesn't just sweep it under the rug and ignore it. But he didn't want anyone to perish. He loves you and he loves me. But he's a holy and a righteous God. And so what does he do to to fill in that gap, to address the problem that we all have? He sends his son, Jesus Christ, to bring the rescue. And Jesus offers forgiveness of sins. There was a head of a mental hospital in Europe who once said that many of his patients, of many of his patients, he said, I could dismiss half of my patients tomorrow if they could be assured of forgiveness. I can dismiss half of my patients tomorrow if they can be assured of forgiveness. Through the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are assured that we are forgiven. We're no longer, God no longer holds our sins against us. He forgives us, washes away our sin, removes the guilt, removes the shame, and he breaks the power. He not only offers forgiveness, but he offers freedom from sin's dominion in our lives. Jesus said, he who the Son sets free is free indeed. And we don't have to be in bondage to sin anymore, to Satan, to the powers of darkness anymore. We can be free. Christ died to set us free that we might be forgiven and free. The gospel gives us that assurance. And the fact that Christ rose from the dead validates the truth that Christ became the payment for our sins. That the Father accepted that ransom, that payment on our behalf. And we are indeed forgiven. And it also validates the promises that Jesus made. Like the one he made to the thief on the cross. Who deserved death. And he said, today you will be with me in paradise. This guy had no opportunity to get baptized. This guy had no opportunity to do any kind of good deeds. He just simply put his faith in Jesus in the last moments of his life and he experienced grace and mercy because Jesus died for his sins and he died for your sins and he died for my sins. Now there's a lot of people who have died upon crosses in history. There's a lot of people who have died and who have given up their life in heroic acts to help others, sacrificial acts. But there's only one heroic act that pays for the sins of humanity. And that's the the heroic act of Jesus Christ laying down his life for us. Because he never sinned. And he died in our place. He is that lamb. That lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He is that Passover lamb. And his blood, like like the Jewish people in the first exodus, put the blood of the lamb over the doorpost over their house so that the angel of death would pass over that home. The blood of Jesus is over the lives of Christians and believers so that we pass from death to life. So we get to live. 
the gospel is also personal. And what I mean by that is it is to be personally received and believed. Kids, you can't ride your parents' coattails into heaven. We don't, we don't go to heaven because our parents are Christians. And yeah, I'm a Christian because I'm, or we're not Christians because our parents are Christians. I, I was brought up in, in a, um, a tradition of Catholic where I got baptized as an infant. But at some point, I had to own my faith. I had to put my faith consciously in Jesus Christ and receive Him as my Lord and Savior if I were to experience the benefits of forgiveness, of eternal life. I had to receive, just like the Apostle Paul, receive the gospel. Every Christian has to receive the good news and believe the good news. And we are to hold fast to the good news and cling to it. Paul says, I preached. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received in which you stand, by which you are being saved if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Do you believe? Do you believe the words of Jesus when, that he spoke to, to Martha in John 11? He said, I am the resurrection and the life. She says, I know my brother will rise again in the resurrection. And she's standing before the one who embodies the resurrection. He says, I am the resurrection. I am the life, and he who believes in me, though he dies, he will live. Do you believe this? And then Jesus, to display he is the resurrection and the life, he tells Lazarus to get up out of the grave, and he comes out after having been dead for four days. Who can raise a man or a woman from the dead but the creator himself who came in flesh? And he himself was raised from the dead. And it validates his promises that we will rise to. Christ is risen. That means we're going to rise to just like he said we would. We're going to get new bodies. There will be no more disease, no more death, no more suffering. There will be a new heaven, a new earth. He will wipe every tear from our eye. The gospel is personal. We are to personally believe it and receive it and stand in it by grace and hold fast to it and and remind ourselves of it and be reminded of it. The gospel is full of grace and power. Look at verse 9 and 10. For Paul said, For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, Because I persecuted the church of God. Paul described himself as a chief of sinners, as a persecutor, as a violent man. He was like a terrorist killing Christians. And he encountered the resurrected Christ. Verse 10, he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. Paul encountered the grace and the mercy of God. He encountered the power of the gospel to change him from the inside out. Who could change the heart of a terrorist who is set on killing Christians? Man can't do that. But God can. 
And God changed his heart, set him free, delivered him, opened his blind eyes and rescued the apostle Paul by his grace and through the power of the gospel. Paul said in Romans 1.16, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe. To the Jew first and also to the Gentile. He says that the, the message of the cross is the wisdom of God and it's the, the power of God. It's foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. It's a powerful message. And lastly, the gospel of Jesus Christ is truth that gives us hope. It gives us hope beyond this life. We don't just live for the here and now because we believe that there truly is a hereafter. And there's a resurrection hereafter. A resurrection of the righteous and the unrighteous. There's coming a time when We will experience new bodies, resurrected life. Paul says in verse 19, he says, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people the most to be pitied. We're most pitiful if we only have hope in this life. If this is it for us, why are we abstaining from all the things that we abstain from? And devoting ourselves to all the the things that we uh, devote ourselves to as followers of Christ. We would be pitiful. People should feel sorry for us if there's no resurrection. But there is resurrection. But in fact, he says, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by man... By a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. We are promised life eternal. Eternal life, forgiveness of sin, salvation, acceptance with God, and inheritance a world of perfect love, a world of perfect peace, a world where there's no more suffering, no more sadness, no more sickness. I know in this room there are a number of you who are going through difficult times right now, and you have gone through difficult times. You've gone through suffering. You've gone through pain. And I want you to know that the God of the Bible sees you, and he sees your pain, and he cares. He's not indifferent to you and your pain. You see, he created everything good. And mankind rejected him and his ways and allowed death and sin and suffering into this world. But God did something about it by sending his son to rescue us. God in his goodness sent Jesus Christ. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. He doesn't want you to perish. He wants you to have everlasting life and receive the gift of his salvation and receive the hope that he gives because of the resurrection those who are born again and who become children of god have this living hope inside of them 
And no matter what pain and what suffering comes your way, you can face it with hope and you can persevere through it because in this life, there's, there's more, there's more than just this life for us. The New City Catechism describing the meaning of the resurrection answers the question, what does Christ's resurrection mean for us? Christ triumphed over sin and death by being physically resurrected so that all who trust in him are raised to new life in this world and to everlasting life in the world to come. Just as we will one day be resurrected, so this world will one day be restored. But those who do not trust in Christ will be raised to everlasting death. And so in the words of the Old Testament, God says, I've set before you life and death, blessing or cursing. And he says, choose life that you might live, that you and your family might live. And so if you're here today and you don't know Christ and you haven't experienced the forgiveness of sins, you don't know the assurance of forgiveness through trusting in Jesus Christ. Today is a great day to take that step and receive the gift of his forgiveness, his mercy, his grace over your life simply by turning from your sin and putting your faith and trust in Jesus. Let me close in just a couple points of application. Remember the gospel story and its implications for your life. Remember the gospel story and the, its implications for your life. N.T. Wright, the theologian, said that the message of Easter is that God's new world has been unveiled in Jesus Christ and that you are now invited to belong to it. Let's live like those who are citizens of heaven, those who've been forgiven, those who've been free, those who've been redeemed. Receive and believe the gospel story, bringing your sins and your failures to the cross of Christ for forgiveness. What a wonderful gift it is to have a clear conscience, to be able to lay your head down at night and sleep in peace because you know you're forgiven. You know who you are. You know whose you are. You know where you're going. You know that your sins have been taken care of. A clear conscience is one of the best pillows, it's been said. And God wants to give you that through the gospel of Jesus Christ. He wants to give you reconciliation and restoration, peace with God. Because in Christ, he no longer holds your sins against you. Or you can reject that free gift that he offers and experience the consequences of your sin. And lastly, share the good news. Share the gospel which is the good news with others. Aim to live and aim to live according to its transforming power. Today's a great day to share that. If you're going to be with family, if you're going to, if you see friends, you can text message somebody, post on your social media, testify of the gospel of grace. Don't be ashamed to share that good news. 
Paul says this at the end of this chapter. He says, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Why is our labor not in vain as believers, as we're steadfast and movable, as we give ourselves to sharing the gospel and, and living out the gospel in, in accordance with the gospel before the eyes of others? Our labor is not in vain because God will reward our faithfulness and God will raise us up. We will be resurrected. Amen. Kevin, would you come on up? you all would bow with me in prayer. The worship team is going to lead us in a song here in response. If you're here today and you would like prayer, you would like to take a step of faith and trusting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or you want to recommit your life, to him, we would love to pray with you. We would love to know what God's doing and we would in your life, and we would love to pray with you. But you can do business right there with him in your seat. Turn to him in faith right there in your seat. But if you want somebody to pray with you, we're going to have a couple leaders up front here to pray. And I'm up here ready to pray for anybody who needs prayer for anything at all. So, Father, thank you for sending your son. Thank you that we are forgiven because Christ was forsaken. We're accepted because Christ was condemned. And we're alive and well and your spirit lives within us because Christ has died and rose again. Hebrews 13, 20, 21. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good so that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you. May he lift up the light of his countenance upon you. And may he give you his peace. You guys have a great resurrection day.